Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to our podcast. We have Pastor Mark Sepulveda from Impact Church San Diego with a new three-part sermon series called Identity Crisis. This sermon is the first of the three titled, It's an Image Thing. We pray that you are encouraged and moved by this word. God bless. We're going to go read the Word of God in Luke chapter 20, verse 20 and 25. And the Word of God reads like this. Keeping a close watch on him, they sent spies who pretended to be sincere. They hoped to catch Jesus in something that he said so that they might hand him over to the power and authorities of the governor. So the spies questioned him. They asked him, Teacher, we know that you speak and teach what is right and that you do not show partiality but teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Now here's the question that they imposed on Jesus. Is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Verse 23, Jesus being Jesus, he saw through their duplicity and said to them, show me a denarius, show me a quarter, show me a 50 cent piece, show me a denarius, he says. Whose image and inscription are on this? Whose image and inscription is on it? Caesar's, they replied. He said to them, then give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. For the next three Sundays, we'll be having a short sermon series on identity crisis, which will lead up to our baptism Sunday, which is on June 2nd. We have two people who are giving their lives to Christ in baptism. Praise God. Let's give them a big hand praise. And the message entitled today, it's an image thing. Turn to your neighbors and tell them it's all about image. It's all how you look. It's an image thing. Everywhere you look, everywhere you see, you see billboards. You see magazine covers. You go to the store and you're, you're, you're buying something. How many times have you looked over and looked at a magazine, your People, Glamour, or GQ, or whatever? You like, oh, you know, this is what I'm supposed to look like. It's all about image, you know? It's all about looking like something that portrays yourself to be something that you're not necessarily, you know, uh, uh, you, you, you know, what to wear, what clothes to wear, what to do, how to walk, how to talk, you know, and, 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 and how you conduct yourself and what you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to look like. So if you do this five minutes a day, you'll look like this. Well, not necessarily like this, but, you know, you could be shredded in 30 days if you do these steps right here. If you cut this out of your, you know, your life or if you do this different, like you'll look exactly like this. They want us to portray, a, the, uh, for us to portray something that we're not necessarily of, of what we want to be or what God wants us to be, praise God. Soap operas, you know, yeah, everywhere you go, you, you know, people want to look like the novelas, you know, the Spanish novelas, they, they, they're really hardcore about that. Soap operas, you know, they want to look like the fashion, they want to look like what they see on TV. What today's world sees as image, what your friends see as image, and what the media shows you as image, and what Hollywood shows you as image, can totally confuse and bewilder an individual. 
What Hollywood, you know, Hollywood say, they, they, they have the biggest voice. The media has the biggest voice of what they tell us what to look like and what to be and how to be. It could totally confuse an individual, somebody who's just barely coming up. Maybe somebody, a babe in Christ, you know, somebody who barely came to Christ, came to Jesus, gave their life to the Lord, and now they're hearing they're being pulled this way and being pulled that way because they're not really stable or a firm foundation in what they believe in yet. Or maybe that you're in school and, and there's a lot of things going on, you know. If you don't even have the right phone, I heard people are being ridiculed because they still have Androids. I don't even, you know, oh, it's all about Apple. No, it's not about Apple. They break in two years because they want to sell you a new one. It's all about having the technology of here and now. It's all of having, you know, the, hey, you know, what's faster? You know, what, what, what's going to get me there? What clothes to wear, shoes to put on, how to walk and talk, and even what kind of friends you should have. You know, I, you know th- these guys, you know, they don't fit the image that I want to portray, so I'm going to, like, you know, get away from them, and I'm going to hang out with these guys, you know, because these guys look cool. If I hang around with cool guys long enough, I'll start to be cool myself. It's like... You know, what do I do? It confuses people. As a young adult, image is everything. Image is everything. Where you go, what you see. Even nowadays with the techie world, praise God, of what to have. Kids as young as five years of age, four years, five, six years of age, are trying to figure out what they want to be cartoons or they want to be something special. They even have phones at five years of age. I didn't have a phone at five years of age. Praise God. We still had those rotary things. You know, like that. And then, yeah, it took you forever to dial, praise God. You know, now it's just push buttons. Everything's cool nowadays. Even as a young child at five years of age, it could be maybe they're looking for an identity. Maybe it's just their imagination that they have with them, you know. But imagination as a child is everything. But yet, if you look at the root word of imagination, it's image nonetheless. It's all about image. It's all about how you conduct yourself and carry yourself. How people perceive you means a lot to a person. You know, I used to be one of those things that I wanted to be liked. And if they didn't like me, I felt bad. You know, I was, I was really bad at that. Now I can care less what they think about me. Eh, well, you know, it's you. Just consider the source. Consider who's talking bad about you. And they probably need help as well. We all need Jesus. We all, need, we all like to be loved. We all like to be liked. But if you can't please, you know, what they say is you can't please everybody all of the time. I've seen and read and heard of people taking their own lives because their image was tarnished. Social media could really be a bad thing to somebody's image. If something happens, it's next thing you know, it's on social media. And, they, and, and if it's on their own personal social media, something happened, they took a picture and they tag you in it. And next thing you know, oh my God, I can't show my face to anybody anymore. I cannot go to that house anymore. I cannot hang out with my friends anymore after what, you know, after what was shown, praise God. And next thing you know, they take their own lives because their image was tarnished. Because of the image of what people portrayed them to be, that their image had been broken, their image had been tarnished, their image had been dragged through the mud, and because their image in their mind was destroyed, they feel that they need to take their life. Not knowing that there is a more important image that God has given us. God has given us an image. This all comes through identity fraud. Okay, We're talking about identity. This is an identity crisis thing. And there's an identity fraud. I like how the dictionary defines a, a fraud, which really coincides with this very topic. It says, I, a fraud, a copy of something that is meant to look like 
or one who pretends to be what he or she is not in order to trick people. That's fraud. How many of us portrayed something that we're not in order to trick people? You try to be cool with people that you're not. You try to be friendly with people that you're never friendly with. A fake smile, a fake wave, whatever it may be. But I'll get into that a little bit more next week. Your personality is different from your identity, and your personality is who you really are. Those are your traits. Your personality are your traits. Either you're naturally smiley or naturally bubbly. How many, how many have worked with somebody or know somebody who's always bubbly? Every time you see them, they're always bubbly. They're always like, hey, everything's a great day, and you're like, Ugh. It's Monday morning. Have you had coffee yet? You haven't even had your coffee yet. There's somebody at work has a cup, says coffee saves lives. I truly believe that because without coffee, people would definitely kill some other people. You got to have that first cup of coffee. But there's this person always bubbly, always smiling. And they're doing, you know, hey, how you doing? And they're like, what are you so happy about? That's your personality. And if you have God in your life and you know that you're saved, you know that you're a child of God, you should have that same bubbly personality. Hey, I'm saved, and I'm going to live like I know I'm saved. Praise God. I'm a child of a king. Check this out. Webster's defines personality as an attractive quality such as energy. You can't get that from a can. Friendliness. Hmm? You definitely can't fake friendliness, of course. You're either friendly or not. You either have it or you don't. The image you portray on the outside is different than what is real on the inside. What you're portraying on the outside not necessarily might reflect what's on the inside. If you're trying to be friendly to people you're normally not, why are you so friendly all of a sudden? What do you want? Have you ever seen that? People, you know, hey, how's it going? Haven't seen you in a long time. Like, what do you want? Because they're not normally like that. You know, you never greeted me before. What do you want? They're trying to portray something, maybe because they want something. They, they have a necessity of something of you. So they're portraying something that they're normally not. Okay? They're actually being fraudulent in their, in their image. They're actually being fraudulent, praise God, in their, in their identity towards you. You can fake some of these things. I've seen fake smiles before. You can fake a smile. Smile, happiness. Actually, I wrote a blog. I have a blog on a WordPress. It's a, a Rev Promark, I believe. Rev Pro, Promark 1029 on WordPress. And it's a blog that says, a smile changes everything. And the reason why I was inspired to write this, because one day at work, you know, I was walking around, and I was coming around the corner, and I saw one of my coworkers, and I smiled. And he's like, what was that? Not that I don't smile all the time, but it was a different smile. I'm like, what was what? You smile. Like, yeah, I smile. No, this was different. It's like, this was like, you were really genuinely happy to see me. I was happy to see you. You're cool. You're Keith. His name was Keith. I like Keith. Hey, Keith. What's going on? He's, a music. He's into sound techie and stuff like me. And he goes, wow, no, that smile, you know, actually put a smile on his face and actually made him feel a lot more better. You know, at that moment in time, maybe he was going through something. Maybe somebody's going through something, and your smile, your personality, your bubbliness actually made them feel a lot more better about what was going on, realize that what was going on is really not nothing, is really nothing going on in my life. It's just that I, may, I magnified my problem. And maybe our smile, our bubbliness, our welcomeness, our love towards other people might change their outlook on certain things. Let us go back to the passage of what they were trying to trick Jesus on. 
Keeping a close watch on him, they sent spies, okay? Every time Jesus tried to do something or teach something, there was always somebody there with the wrong, bad intent. And we tend to have those kind of people in our lives as well. He sent spies who pretend to be sincere. They come with smiles. They hope to catch Jesus in something that he says so that they might hand him over to the authorities. Next slide. So the spies question him. Here's the question. Teacher, rabbi, we know that you speak and teach what is right, and you do not show partiality but to teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Here's the question. Is it right for us, bless you, is it right for us to pay taxes unto Caesar or not? Is it right to pay taxes? Should we pay taxes? Man, I wish Jesus would have really answered this question a lot more differently than he did. You know, because it would have solved a lot of problems, a lot of hurts, you know, a lot of financial issues going on these days, praise God. Is it right to pay taxes unto Caesar or not? Jesus answered him, show me, give me a coin. Show me, show me a coin. Denarius is what they had. Show me a coin. They gave it to him. He looked at it. Jesus examined it. And he says, if you look, if you have, you know, the coins, they usually have a heads and tails, right? Heads or tails, Right? So there's the heads, there's the tails, there's inscriptions. There's an image and there's inscriptions on it. He says, whose image and inscription is on this? He said, Caesar's. He's who's ruling the area right now. Caesar's image is on there. Well, then pay give to Caesar's which unto Caesar's and give to God which is God's. Give back to Caesar which is Caesar's. So... Apparently, we have to pay taxes. (laughs) Give to Caesar, which is Caesar's, and give to God what is God's. Whose image and inscription does it have? That's what we want to focus on here a little bit. Jesus was asking for an identity and an image and an inscription on this coin. He's asking for an image. So that's to tell us, that's just to say that God has an image, okay? Caesar definitely has an image because his image and inscription is on that coin. Did it have God's image on it? What if it had God's image on it? Well, give to God what is God's gift. To Caesar, it would have just worked the same way. Give to Caesar, which is Caesar's. Give to God's, which is God's. He was asking for an inscription. He was asking for an image. He was asking for an identity. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to read verses 26 and 27. And the word of God reads like this. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image. We're going to make man in our own image, in our likeness, so that we may rule over, so that they may rule over the fish and in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own 
image. In the image of God created them, both male and female, he created them. In his own image, he created both male and female. I don't know about you, but I only count two genders on that one. So God created us. He created us in his image. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're in the image and likeness of God. So what does God look like? You look to your neighbor, man. We're in the, if that's what God looks like, my God. <laughs> oh, God, you know, but we're created on the inside of what God had created us. So what does God look like? How? If there are so many people, if there are so many people in this world, what can we tell what God really looks like? Let's go to John chapter 4, verse 24. And it reads like this. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Okay, so God is spirit. You don't necessarily, you can't necessarily see an image of a spirit. Yeah, we have ghost sightings. <laughs> you know, you see, you know, you know, haunted houses. You see a kukui. You see a ghost or a Casper. You know, oh my gosh, it's a, it's an image. It's a, it's a spirit. God is a spirit. He made us in the image of Himself, which is we are spirit. Now, if we're spirit, we would also be floating around as well, right? He made us with the spirit on the inside. God is spirit. He has put inside of us an image of himself, inside of us, an image of himself to worship him in spirit and in truth. That's how we're supposed to worship God, within spirit and in truth, because the flesh doesn't really like to pray. The flesh doesn't really like to read a word of God. The flesh really doesn't like to wake up and come to church. Oh, my God. That's why we have it at 1030. We got enough time to wake up, get dressed. And cook. If we had it at 730 in the morning, would anybody come to church? Where I came from, we used to have we used to have these service called matutinos. They started at six o'clock in the morning. Yeah. yeah, tell me about it. Oh no, you know, wake up. Say, what time you have to wake up to go to church at six o'clock in the morning? You have to wake up at five o'clock. People get there half dead, and you know they're like, I'm surprised we could, they wouldn't allow us to come in PJs. It was that early. I didn't know if people were praying for a long time at the altar. They were just asleep because it was so early in the morning. The Bible says. That the spirit is willing. That's the image that God has given us, the spirit. That the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Definitely weak, amen? We fall for, the, the flesh is what falls for the tricks and the identity frauds and everything else. The spirit is telling us, hey, knock that off. Don't do that. I don't think you should hang out with them. I don't think you should, you know, go this way. I don't think you should, I think you should stop doing what you're doing. That's what the spirit is telling us. But the flesh is like, ah, you know, because it's weak. That's why Jesus Christ had to do what he had to do on the cross. He gave his life for us. He was crucified for us. He died. He crucified the flesh. And all those who were crucified with him and buried with him is the reason why we have salvation. The Bible says that all those who believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And if we put to death our flesh, which means I'm going to repent of what I'm doing, and I want to give my life to Christ. I'm going to live my life to God. So what we do is we put our old self to death. 
and we're buried. That's why baptism is so significant to the crucifixion and burial on that day. We died to our old self saying, you know, I'm, I'm not going to live for my flesh anymore. I want to live for Christ. So you put your, your old self to death. Now you're buried in the tomb. So when you're buried in the tomb, you're being baptized. You go into the water. And just like Jesus Christ on the third day as he rose out of the grave, we also rise with him. Thank God that I'm not going to keep you underwater for three days. Right? You'll meet Jesus really fast. Bam! Baptized. Oh. All right. Hey, congratulations. You made it. <laughs> you are now with God. We were all born with the same image. We were all born with the same image. Whether what we look different on the outside or not, we're all born with the same image. And, you know, I just want to point this out a little bit, that we are created in the image of God. We are all born with the same image. Now, this is why abortion is so wrong, because we are created in the womb with an image of God. And when you destroy that, what you're doing, you're destroying an image. Yeah, that image, that spirit goes, you know, goes with God. But yet, you're not giving that image a chance. Each and every one of us is born with a specific image. But as we get older, that that, as we get older, that identity which God has put in us gets drowned out by all the noise in this world. That image gets drowned out by everything that's going on in this world. Trying times, trying to find ourselves in today's society and it can be very difficult if we don't know who we are. Like that song that I was saying during praise and worship, I know who I am, I know who I am, I know who I am, I am yours, Right? I'm yours. I'm I'm yours, God. Why? Because you created me in your image. I'm yours. I give my life. I give myself to you because you created me in your image. I'm going to worship you in spirit and truth. I am yours. You've given me life. And you died on the cross for me. So you know what? I owe you everything, praise God. I owe you everything that you've given me. We tend to believe everything that comes our way. How to be. Who to be what to wear, and so on and so on. The inner image gets drowned out by the outer image, and more often than not, the inner image is crying out because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The inner image is crying out, wanting to do good, wanting to do right, wanting to worship God, but it gets drowned out by our flesh because our flesh wants to do things. Our flesh wants pleasure. Our flesh wants to drink. Our flesh wants to do that. Our flesh wants to get down and do all kinds of crazy things. And that's why the inner image gets drowned out by the outer image. And that's when confusion sets in of what we're supposed to be. What's our identity? Depression. Loneliness sets in because we don't know what we are. And a lot of people are saying, you know, I don't even know if there's an afterlife after this, after we die. I don't know what's going on. They believe in reincarnation. They don't believe in reincarnation. They believe in salvation. They don't believe in salvation. They believe in the rapture of the church. They don't believe in the rapture of the church. Some don't even know if God even exists. They want proof. They want hard facts and evidence, praise God. The Bible says you need to believe by faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You need to read the word of God in order to attain that faith in order to you to believe, praise God. And what God has done in my life, I think I've seen enough stuff 
to know that God is real, that God is working, that God is, praise God. This is all due to identity theft, which we'll cover next in, in, in two weeks. So don't, please do not miss out. God is spirit. And God has created us in his image. That same God that was in the beginning who created all things clothed himself in flesh and dwelt among us. In John 1.1, it reads like this. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. Praise God. I thank God for that. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness had not overcome it. Verse 9. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. God is light. Amen? The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Praise God. Let me stop right there real quick. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and the spirit flew around within the face of the the, the deep within the earth. Then God said, I'm speaking from Genesis, maybe 1, 3 now. God said, let there be light. And there was light. And then he went through the days of creation, day one, day two. The funny thing is, though, that light, he created the sun and the moon in day four. Where did that light come from? I truly believe that God just switched himself on. God just said, bam, let there be light. He shined throughout everywhere to illuminate everything that he was doing. Verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world. Though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize their own creator. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. He came to the ones that that belonged to him. They didn't want him. They didn't want any part of him. They didn't want to receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, He gave the right to become children of God. Those who believed in his name, Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. The children, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. God created man and woman in his own image. Let us make man in our image, in spirit. He created them to become like him on the inside. Verse 14, the word became flesh. Remember that in the beginning was the word and words with God and the word was God. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He wrapped himself. He stepped off his royal throne. He wrapped himself in flesh and decided that he wanted to be with us. Because he loved us that much. That he wanted to make his dwelling with us. He wanted to eat with us. He wanted to talk with us. He wanted to chill with us. He wanted to be with us. That's why he did what he did. He stepped off his throne to be with us. He became like us so that we could be more like him. You hear that? 
He became like us so that we can be more like him. The image that was born in us from the beginning now has an outer identity to strive for in Christ Jesus. Christ likeness, in other words. The spirit, like I said, that God is spirit and that we must worship him in spirit and in truth from the inside. We must worship him in spirit and in truth. The image that he created created us with. Let us make man in our own image. In the image of God, he made both male and female. He made them. So that we were born in the image of God from the inside. So that we might find the identity of what God purposed us for from the beginning to worship him. We didn't quite figure that out. We didn't know how to deal with that. We didn't know what that meant or what that image was. So God, he himself, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That image, that image became flesh and dwelt among us. To be like us so that we finally can have a chance to be like him. We might not have it all right. We might not have it all figured out. We still might be confused at times. We still might not do the right things. We still might not know exactly how to, how to pray, how to worship, and what to do. One thing I do know is that the identity of what God created us in dwelt among us in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ had his ministry among us, among men. He taught, he spoke, he preached, he healed, he fed, he died. knowing that we would never have a chance to be worthy enough to have salvation. He himself had to come down and do the job, finish the job, what he created in the beginning. As we read, as Jesus Christ hung on the cross, he said, It is finished. It's finished. Not necessarily the crucifixion or his death. You know, I'm going to finally die. It's finished. No. But he did finally give up the ghost after he said it is finished. As he hung up there and said that, from the beginning of time, the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he created man in his own image. Both male and female, he created them in his image. Throughout time, the image had an identity crisis through fraud, through theft, of trying to find itself throughout the ages. Until that image 
that we were created in became flesh and dwelt among us. Like I said, he became like us so that we could be more like him. At that time, when he said it is finished, we can finally retrieve, reclaim our identity in him through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, who died on the cross, who was buried in the tomb, and who rose from the dead to give us salvation, knowing that, man, there is a lot going on out there that we can't handle. Yes, give God hand praise. There's a lot in this world, like my sister, I, I, God bless you, my sister, who was saying, there's a lot going on. There's things, you know, that we... Who's, who amongst us hasn't never had a bad day? Who amongst us never had a bad week? Who amongst us never had a fight with your spouse, your boss, your coworkers, your children? That's a never-ending battle in itself. We're not perfect. The only perfect person was Jesus. That's why he was able to give his life for you, because he was perfect. But Jesus, because he did what he did, we are now able to reclaim our identity in him. Although we're not perfect, he's perfect. But guess what? We can be perfect through him. As if we, the Bible says, we need to clothe ourselves in Christ, put on Christ daily. Why? Because he's perfect. If we do not clothe ourselves daily with Christ, we're going to basically wander throughout this world and do things that we think is right, do things on our own understanding. The Bible says to trust your Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That means we need to trust in him of everyday decisions, not just the big ones, but the little ones. And he will guide our paths. He will make our paths straight. He will make us, he'll, if we trust in him, he will make sure that we do the right thing in the end. I want to give my life to Christ because he gave his life for me. I want to die to my old self because he died on the cross for me. I want to give my life to Christ be baptized in the water because he was, he was buried all in the tomb and he also rose from the grave that I shall be buried in the water that I shall also rise with him. Amen. Let us all stand up at this time. My brothers, my sisters, you do not want to miss the next two sermons of identity crisis. Identity theft and reclaiming your identity. Followed up by two souls who are going to give their lives to Christ in baptism. Hallelujah. Thank you for tuning in to Pastor Mark Sepulveda's first sermon of the Identity Crisis series. There are two more preachings in this series. You do not want to miss out, so stay tuned. We hope that you receive something through this preaching, and feel free to share this episode with a friend or on social media. God bless.